Hello and welcome to The Leap of Faith. Sharon Lyons there singing Imbolc by the late Miholus Sulawan, based on a Latin chant, Ave Maristella, raising our spirits with the expectation of the return of spring. And while the spring equinox this year is not until Saturday, March 20th, many mark the 1st of February, Law e Labrida, St. Bridget's Day, as the start of spring. Imbolc is but one of the many events around this time that welcome in longer days and shorter nights. In the Jewish faith, from sunset on last Wednesday to nightfall yesterday, Tuba Shavat, or the New Year of the Trees, is observed. Jews consider this day as a way to remind themselves of their duty of care to the natural world. This year too, February 2nd will be marked by many as Candlemas, a Christian holiday when traditionally candles were brought to the church to be blessed, and Christmas officially came to an end with the crib being packed away. Many of these traditions have changed now but one continues to create great interest here at home. St. Bridget's Day Tradition has it she was born in Fahart in County Louth in 451. Well, to find out more, I'm joined this evening from her home by Helen Phelan. Helen is Professor of Arts Practice at the Irish World Academy of Music and Dance at the University of Limerick. Professor Phelan, welcome to The Leap of Faith. So what do we know about Bridget of Kildare? Well, there's the, I suppose always the question is when we're when we're looking at a historical figure like Bridget, who is part historical, part fictionalized. There's a there's a blending of Bridget, the historical figure, Bridget, the goddess, Bridget, the Christian saint. I suppose the question is always to say, well, well, what are our sources for this information? And some of the earliest sources that we have around Bridget are some of our some of our medieval lives of the saints, and there's a whole corpus of literature around the lives and the miracles of the Irish saints. So we find these, for example, in wonderful medieval sources like the 15th century Book of Lismore. But interestingly, we also can find a lot of fascinating information in in medieval chant, because for the feast day of a saint, an office was composed. And the chants in that office 
would very often tell us something of the story of that saint's life. When, when we begin to unpack those stories, what we find is these are coming from a storytelling tradition where the saint is represented as heroic. And it's the, the heroic deeds of the saints then, which, as I said, begin to blend the historical figure with heroic motifs that we would have found in the pre-Christian Celtic gods and goddesses. And so when we think of a figure like Bridget, the medieval sources that come down to us really position her almost at like a threshold figure between the old religion and this new Christian religion. And her and her story has wonderful examples coming come resonant with both of those traditions. I sing with a medieval female chant group called Cantoral, which is directed by a, a wonderful early music Parisian singer called Catherine Sargent. And we're really interested in the manuscript sources that we have here in Ireland that have chants about Irish medieval saints. And this is, I think, one of the most beautiful examples of, of a chant to Bridget. It's in a manuscript in, in Trinity College, Dublin, TCD 80. And it tells the story about how Bridget became known as Mary of the Gales. That chant that we just heard is a responsory from an Irish manuscript, a medieval manuscript in Trinity College, Dublin, from an office to St. Bridget. Uh, the, the word hagiography is a really is a really great one, I think, because it's a it's a holy biography. And the point of the story was to illustrate how holy this person was. So in, in Bridget's case, for example, we're told that there were there were indications of her holiness even before she was born. And one of the lovely stories that we find in 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 the book of Lismore that when when Bridget's mother, Bridget's mother was a is a bondswoman of of a, of a chieftain of of Leinster, and her, her her mother and her father are are driving by in a chariot and they pass by a druid's house, 
And the Druid comes out and says, the child that that woman is carrying will shine brighter than the sun, brighter than all the stars in the sky. And I, I think that's a really fascinating story because who recognizes the holiness of Bridget? It's a Druid. So the holiness of this new Christian woman is recognized by a holy man of the old faith. And we, and we find this motif again and again in the lives of the Irish saints, this kind of, this, this easy and creative dialogue between the, these religious traditions. Was she more than one woman? Well, it, as I said, the sources that we have, because there's such a blending of, and um, very likely there is there is a historical figure. We seem to have a, you know, the 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 first life of Bridget wasn't wasn't written that long after after the historical figure. So we we seem to be able to identify a historical figure who was very very influential in in the early Irish Church. But certainly the sources um, blend this this historical figure with a n- number of stories that would be much older than Bridget. In, in, in terms of those, some of those beautiful examples of the birth of Bridget, and I think this is another really, another a great example of her, her, her position between, between these religious worlds, but also, you know, we're celebrating the Feast of Imbolc, which of course is a pre-Christian ritual tradition that, that Bridget begins to become associated with. And that also, that 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 feast, that ritual marks the threshold between the dark part of the year, the winter, and rebirth, regeneration. And there's a beautiful story about the birth of Bridget herself, and which tells us that her mother was carrying a vessel of milk one morning at sunrise. Also, the the, the sun appears all the time in, in Bridget's stories because of the connection with fire. And as she placed one foot across the threshold of the door. She delivers the baby girl. And and the story says, who is born neither within or without. She's born literally between worlds. And then the story says, and her mother washed her in the milk that she was carrying. And of course the milk is is, is very symbolic of that old festival of Imbolc. So was was Bridget a single woman or or does the Bridget who is the Bridget who comes down to us uh, a kind of a, a creative composite of all of these different attributes of 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 holiness I think that's a really nice way to think about the stories of Bridget's that we have received. Where does she sit now? Because, you know, if you look back again at the uh, the Vatican, I think in 1969, took away her saintly status. But that doesn't seem to affect people here in Ireland who still have a great deal of allegiance to her. Yes, I suppose the, the, the Second Vatican Council has, has a lot to answer for in terms of the reconfiguration of, of, of official and non-official uh, sainthood. But as you said, Michael, I mean, one, one of the wonderful things I, I, I spent most of my professional life studying ritual. And one of the wonderful things about ritual is that ritual is, a, is, is an organic creative process. Ritual comes up through the ground in response to human need. And, and then afterwards, you know, official institutional structures try to tame it or, or codify it, but it doesn't start there. And of course, the, uh, our, our relationship with, with holiness, with, with saintliness is the very same. So people have um, relationships with, with holy figures 
that are that are both uh, official and non-official. And and of course, most of the early Irish saints wouldn't have gone through official processes of of canonization. But their I suppose their 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 contemporary value is very much in the the attributes and the that they that they represent. I mean, one one really wonderful example of of Bridget, I think, is that. Bridget is very strongly associated with miracles of hospitality. If we, in, 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 in the, the book of Lismore, uh, I mentioned this because it's one of our, our most um, detailed uh, sources about many of the, of the medieval Irish saints, but there are over 60 miracles attributed to, to Bridget in that text. And I think more than, more than 25 of them are miracles of hospitality. So it's Bridget, you know, uh, she's 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 with her her nurse as a young girl. The nurse becomes sick, and Bridget runs to the well and and turns the water into ale. And and the wonderful story of, of of Saint Patrick coming to visit her monastery. And Bridget and all the sisters are are worried because they only have one sheep and and a small amount of of ale. And she feeds the entire congregation. And there's all these stories of 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 hospitality and of generosity and you know in terms of the what somebody like Bridget would represent in our contemporary world I think she's a she's a very she's a very interesting representation of um you know she in in, in our day she has become quite a figure associated with feminism hasn't she and one of the things that strikes me about those miracles of hospitality is most of the medieval female saints the relationship that they had with food was described as very penitential and self-sacrificing. And Bridget's relationship with food is all about abundance and generosity and 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 over over amplitude. And and that's that's her connection with Imbolc. So I think this this um this image of femaleness which is less about self-sacrifice and more about abundance and generosity um, in my mind is one of the reasons why she's become a very interesting that the revival in things like Bridget um, festivities and rituals there's a very interesting relationship between artistry creativity and that very early period of Celtic Christianity in Ireland and this is the period, of course, where we, where we, out of which come people like Bridget, Patrick, Colum Kill, and this is a a form of Christianity that uh, that that later begins to, I suppose, disappear under the weight of Roman Christianity. But that early period of 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 Celtic Christianity had a number of very unique characteristics which I think resonates strongly with contemporary artists. One very simple example is the relationship that that form of Christianity had with the natural world. Again, when we we look at um, medieval European Christianity, the natural world is often described as the, the playground of the devil, you know, something to be suspicious of. Uh, and and all of the aspiration was towards the supernatural world, but but Celtic spirituality had a very different relationship. The natural world was 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 the manifestation of God's creativity and artistry 
in the world. Um, the, the, med, it's very, the medieval word for miracle that we find most often in manuscripts is not miracula, it is signum, sign. The, the medieval view of a miracle is not that miracles were something extraordinary. Miracles were ordinary, but only extraordinarily holy people could perceive them. So the, the entire created world was miraculous. And this is something that I think the, 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 the Celtic saints came to, came to represent very strongly. And my own sense anyway, as, as a musician and working with musicians and artists who are very inspired by this work is that it has something to do with that, that as, that as, as creative artists, they feel a resonance with this uh, admiration for the, the creativity of the natural world that we find in medieval spirituality in, in Ireland. Professor Helen Phelan, thank you for joining us on The Leap of Faith. Thank you so much, Michael, and happy St. Bridget's Day. Helen mentioned that Bridget has been the inspiration for many artists and musicians, including my next guest, Porrick Dunn, writer, lyricist and director of the musical of The Life of St. Bridget, The Cloak. Porik, welcome to The Leap of Faith. How did you go about the process of telling Bridget's story through music and dance? Well, I suppose, much like what Helen has said, the stories are so many and so contradictory with Bridget that we had to say, OK, we need to tell a story here to an audience and we need to pin this down to, you know, a cathartic moment and pin it down to a couple of highlights, as you would when you're a dramatist or a storyteller. You need to do that. And we started to discover that when we started to look up the stories of Bridget, there was a lot of very dramatic stories in her history of things that happened to her and places she had been. So, I mean, my method was to go through these and try and weave them into one timeline. One of the opening scenes in the show is Guide Her. It is a similar story to the story of the Druid identifying Bridget as this important person in the womb. And although it's slightly different and uses different characters and probably has a little more modern edge to it, it still has the essence of what that story was and and who those people were. So when we uh, originally had the show ready to go, it was first performed in 2014. But um, it certainly has left a lasting impact on everyone who was involved in the show. Um, I think there is a community that developed. They were called the Cloak family and they developed uh, throughout the whole process of creating this. Of course, we, we worked with a lot of artists that provided their time free of charge because we had a huge um, amount of people involved in the production. And that was part of how we survived and it created this wonderful family environment. You might bring us a short excerpt from the Cloak. So from the heavens she came, she's your saviour at last. All the hurt and the pain you must put in the past. You can free now your mind, your soul no longer torn. With her beauty and grace, you'll have life now she is born.
my myself, I'm I'm not extremely Catholic, but certainly I experienced a a spiritual event when we when we made this from the from the very beginning when we started we only had one piece one song called the cloak and every time that piece of music was performed in rehearsal or in the show it had a profound impact on everybody that was there i mean i can remember the very first night we ran the show and of course when when you're in theater you never know what's going to work and what's not going to work and you're waiting for the last moment and I looked across at the audience and my mother was sitting very near the front and the tears were running down her face and this final song. So I knew somewhere along the line I had hit a chord with someone. And then I looked across the audience and I could see that reflected in many people, men and women. And it was what they saw on the stage, but it was also this feeling they were getting about the story and how we had kind of come the full circle with her life and I think it probably was the collaboration between myself and Parag Meredith in this, where we we have an unusual way of working. We don't necessarily meet. We I tell a story and he goes and tries to interpret that story in music and then we put the two things together. And something magic happened in that. And every piece we, we put together got better and better and better. And some of them we, we revisited. And of course, we had a, a fabulous choreographer on that show. Nicola Kavanagh was her name. And she was telling the story through dance. So we had three people trying to maneuver this world of, of the arts to figure out to tell one story. And it just all clicked. I mean, it just clicked. And it had standing ovations every single night. Um, we finished our tour in the Wex, Wexford Opera House. Anyone that's been there, it's a beautiful venue. And there was just this sense of achievement of what all these people have, have done together. Are you done with it, Pori? I, I think, Michael, it took up such a big part of my life. I don't think I'll ever be done with it. I think it was like you'll talk to any dramatist or creator or director or writer and they'll say you're done with that piece of work. And I think if it's something that you really love, it'll always be there. I think when opportunities arise, you take them. And I, I, I think I really do think that there is another opportunity for this uh, for this piece of work. Um, and I know myself and Parag definitely hold it close to heart and feel that there's more to it. There's more yet to come from this. Parag Dunn, thank you for joining us on The Leap of Faith tonight. You're very welcome. Finally this evening, yet another festival has had to be resourceful and moved their planned event online. This time, it's the Bridget of Fahart Festival, which will stream online from 8 o'clock next Monday evening. But to find out more, I spoke earlier to one of the organisers, Dolores Whelan, from her home in Louth, in sight of the Hill of Fahart, and asked her, what's the focus of the festival? So what is it? I call it Crinu La Elebrida. And the word Crinu, very interesting, is a word that actually is related to the word for milk turning into butter. So for me, Crinu is a gathering at which transformation happens or there is the potential for transformation to happen. So what have we got? We've got um, several wonderful musicians. We have Evelyn Burton, who's a soprano. We've got Eleni Karja, who's written a beautiful song called Bridget of the Flame. We have Podrigini Hulhan, who's going to share her beautiful, beautiful chant called Banu. It's just stunning. And it refers to Bridget all the time. At the end of all the different goddesses of Ireland, she says, August, bridge more. We also have 
poetry. We have poetry with a dear friend of ours, Siobhan McMahon. Siobhan is from Dublin, but lives in Leeds. And she's been part of our festival for several years. We also have May Coyle is going to talk about Bridget and her mantle. I'm going to talk about Bridget as an inspiration for a new society. We have two young women who are both young artists and they're in a residency at Cre in Creative Spark in Dundalk. And one of them, Tara, contacted me very soon after she arrived in Dundalk because she was really connected with Fahad and with Bridget. She's going to do a piece in the old graveyard. Uh, it's going to be filmed, uh, be obviously, beforehand. It's wonderful to have new energy. Uh, Geraldine Whelan O'Mara is going to lead uh, us in a meditation that will bring us into a meeting with Bridget. And the, one of the lovely stories about Bridget is that on the night before her day or her feast day, and also even on her day, that she walks the land and she walks the land bringing new life through the land, awakening the nyarth, and the nyarth is the life force. This meditation will uh, bring people into this into this space. Tell us more about Rathfrida. Well, there's a lovely custom, and I've done it every year for such a long time, and I have mine on me. I always wear it when I'm working. And Brathbridge is, is Bridget's, it's an aspect of Bridget's cloak. And on the eve of Bridget's day, people are encouraged to leave a piece of white or red cloth out on the ground or on a bush. And the idea is that as Bridget passes the land, she will bless that. And then you take that in and you use it for healing all through the year. And it's a beautiful custom. Most people around here have one always with them in your handbag or in your shoes or whatever. Dolores Whelan, thank you for joining us on The Leap of Faith. Thank you. And you can get more information on the festival taking place online this Monday evening from 10 o'clock from their website, bridgetofahart.ie. Tickets are €10. Euro. And that's our Leap of Faith for this week. From our producer Sheila O'Callaghan, broadcast coordinator Charlotte Holland, and me, Michael Cummins. Good night. <laughs>